Do you ever want to be a guest on a super cool podcast hosted by a glamorous power couple from their cutting-edge home studio on the outskirts of a major metropolitan world hub? Hollywood, anyone? Us, too. Until then, let's pretend. One of these days, you might get a DM, a PM, an EM, or even a message in a bottle inviting you to join my husband and I for an hour or two in our chat lab, working on solutions for all the world's problems. And when you are invited, there's only one response. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, we just wanted you to see us. You know, we probably, you know, we'll probably close. You know, we don't, we don't post any mm-hmm. uh, video. No. But we just think it's polite to let you see who you're talking to. <laughs> we, we did yeah, have... Uh, yeah. The one video that we've posted on YouTube uh, was uh, for a, uh, there's a, uh, we've got a couple friends who have a blues band and they oh. came to the house. And so we did a recording of that and we put that on YouTube, but there was, uh, it was kind of scant. So Philip ended up including, including like random shots of stuff and film of him grilling like a and a kind of a, <laughs> and kind of a, an homage to Ed Wood. <laughs> oh yeah. fun yeah low production value we're real we're real fans of the, the edward aesthetic if you will because it's just yeah the first movie the first really truly excellent bad movie that my father introduced me to was thin nine from outer space yeah and okay. i was hooked because i mean the strings and the fact that you know dracula's changes to a completely different person right in the middle of the movie <laughs> <laughs> i will have to the whole, that one out yeah, be, oh. be forewarned. Oh, it's, it's so bad. It's, if, you, it's, if you don't tolerate yeah. uh, uh, bad movie, you know, bad production values, then yeah. uh, you'll be uh, disappointed. Mm-hmm. But it's My, done with such love and enthusiasm. It's, I think where a bad movie, where you can really enjoy a good bad movie if it was done with love and enthusiasm. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, my my husband's very much like that. He loves um, mm-hmm. he loves bad movies, good movies, everything in between, and so yeah. he's um he usually tries to get me to sit down and watch bad movies with him Um, but I don't always have the time and also we have kids so it's hard to watch movies that are you know not Pixar so tedious got you understood be appreciated for things other than the actual you know uh, and then you know (laughs) Philip and I have different taste in things and so sometimes he kind of has trouble understanding why I'm not particularly interested in that war movie, but um, it's good. It's the Godfather. I'm like, <laughs> uh huh. Well, I'll concede that the first Godfather is great. After that, oh, I'm not so sure. So, um, well, the, the second one was pretty good. Um, too. I have not seen all of them all the way through. Right. right. Uh, the second one was good. Second one's really good. Third it's, one is terrible. Right. Yeah. Third yeah. Just don't even go past two. Just stop at two. Which usually a sequel is it you'd be like, nah, you don't need to watch the sequel. But uh, you know, yeah. In this case, it actually is very watchable. Not that I, I want to watch it every week. Yeah. You know. Just every Thanksgiving. No, that's for the dog show. Oh, okay. Band of Brothers. Yeah. Has replaced Godfather. It's a new Thanksgiving uh-huh. tradition. Yeah, and and I can take a nap. <laughs> there you go. So no planes, trains, and automobiles for you guys on Thanksgiving is what you're saying. No, not that movie, no. I'll um, be open to it, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, a yeah, it's later. a funny I mean, movie. I don't watch football much yeah. anymore, so I could make room for it. Cool. Uh, yeah. So, what do you, would you prefer to be called HJ? Yeah, we probably should, you know, stick with my pen name okay. so people have an easier time finding me on Amazon. Okay, gotcha. not a problem. Um, and I, and I think that Philip has the ability to do a link. Okay. When we do the podcast, right? Well, I mean, I put it in the show notes. Okay, yeah. cool. No problem. We saw your website and yeah. reviewed a couple of your videos and mm-hmm. prepared. Cool. Let's uh let's go ahead and jump in because it, right. it sounds like you got some other yeah. people that are demanding your okay. attention. Welcome, listeners, once again to Yeah Aha uh-huh with Lisa and Phil. This time we are talking to H.J. Vanderwrights. Yes. Um, H.J. wrote the book 
other other side to serenity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and when we have people on the show, we'd like to, you know, authors, we like to actually read the book. Which we did. <laughs> so we took some time, uh, you know, um, mm-hmm. to go ahead and do that. And I have to say, I really enjoyed the book. It was, um, I would say it's kind of a coming of age story. In a but sense. It's a lot. There's a lot of different dimensions to it. It kind of gave me like a Friday Night Lights feel as far as the way the um the young people interacted with each other um, and with the uh with their yeah yeah with their parents somewhat there's also a very definite fantasy aspect to it Mm -hmm. Um, there's a there's a lot in it that people can digest and and it appeals to a lot of you know cross-section of people so what he means by that is he's usually not into fantasy philosophy type books right with a a sci-fi bend to them and um, he actually did read this entire book. Well, there's a lot of meat on the we bone. Have a, aside from we have the, a lot of books on our shelves the, he read part of. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, aside yeah. from the creams and things mm-hmm. like that. So welcome. Welcome. Mm-hmm. Thank you for having me. And mm-hmm. I'm so glad you enjoyed the book. That's like, I'm so hugely flattered. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it's it's really good. And that is my wheelhouse, that type of thing. Um, it's got the fish out of water aspect where she uh, ends up going into death and she ends up being able to like deal with it. And I always like that. Um, uh, what is it? Uh, it's got the, the sci-fi. It's got the fantasy. It's got um, philosophy. And um, I'm a big believer in reincarnation and effect. Oh, cool. So, yeah. So that's cool. Now I do have a couple of little, um, like get to know you questions. Um, you're a redhead. Are any of your kids redheads? My daughter is. Yes. Um, cool. Yes. And yes. actually I, fun fact, I'm not really uh, a redhead. My natural no. hair color is, uh, kind of a dark blonde. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was actually a surprise when my daughter, came out a redhead because both my husband and I were like, okay, that must've been one of those genes that. Yeah. Those uh, way through obsessive genes that wandered in. Um, cause you do you, the skin tone and everything is there. And I know that I personally have redhead DNA. Um, I know this, uh, uh, we did like a telemegen kind of thing, you know, one of those DNA things. And I do have some redhead in my DNA, but I also know that I need extra anesthesia. So you'll want to know that for your daughter moving forward, she will need extra anesthesia being a redhead. Mm. Oh, okay. That's, Especially for like, that's like mostly that's important, like for dental stuff. Okay. But I've always needed a little more Novocaine, a little more of a shot. I need a little more time for it to get into my system. And um, I, I'm not just redhead by DNA. Uh, my aunt's, uh, two of my aunt's sons are redheads. Oh, cool. Yeah. Now she did marry a redhead. She was a brunette like me, Um, blue-eyed brunette, darker. And um, and yeah, so yeah, she married a blue-eyed redhead, and she has two blue-eyed red-haired kids, sons. And um, uh, her sons, one does have a redheaded daughter. Interesting. So yeah, Yeah. no, that's uh, that is interesting actually, because I, even though I'm not naturally redheaded, I do. actually require a little more uh anesthesia especially when I go to the dentist like Mm -hmm. um so I wonder if it's a um if there's I wonder what the genetics on that is if it's yeah I've never actually yeah I've I've never actually looked that up uh but I've I've known about it for a while since I was like um since actually the um the dentist who did my wisdom teeth when I was 19 commented on that, that he needed to give me a little extra anesthesia. And he he asked if there were redheads in my family. Well, how did he determine that when you weren't a redhead? I don't know. He asked if there were redheads in my family. And I said, yes, (laughs) I got nothing. You got into a conversation with him about this redheadedness. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he, he said I needed to give you more anesthesia. So he was aware of redheads needing more anesthesia. Okay. So maybe he asked if there were redheads in my family because of that. Okay. I don't know. This was after the surgery. It was at my (laughs) follow-up visit. Yeah. I'm, I, well, let's okay. let's talk a little bit about the book here while we're mm-hmm. at it. Yes. So, um, mm-hmm. tell us about uh, Alanis um, Lawndale. Tell us a little bit about her. Mm-hmm. Um. So, 
Alanis Londale is the main protagonist in The Other Side, The Serenity. Um, she is kind of a, what I would call a, a fairly average girl. You know, she, she loves music. She does reasonably well in school. Um, her, her and her friends are in a band. They have a band together and she's the lead singer. And she, yeah, she just, you know, I think she's a lot like any teenager. She, her focus is on her friends. That's like her family basically. And so she, Mm -hmm. she, she gets a lot of her happiness and, and, um, you know, I just think they make her feel secure and she's Mm -hmm. always there for them when they need her. She's kind of that friend. They come to her when they need help. And, um, yeah. And so she, she actually, uh, she dies towards the beginning of the book Mm -hmm. and is, is mm. taken to this other realm called the inner circle where she kind of discovers all these different elements of the afterlife and and um mm-hmm. you know without getting too into the book and what it's about um and giving right. too much away she goes on an adventure and has to kind of like you said kind of come to terms with the fact that she's died right right well i like uh i like a lot of things about her uh, material life you know like she is kind of the she's the lead singer right so she's yes. kind of a leader of this group of kids kind of um, kind of yes. uh, yeah and I kind of see her as a bit above average because she's really doing something she's working towards a goal yeah. she's not a bit adrift she knows what she wants she's moving forward right. um so well, I want to think you know, about Annie. And like, I really like her as a character. She really cares about the people in her life. Um, she like she could so easily um become a a rebellious teenager who just acts out what with the way her father treats her. And he's she doesn't see that he's broken until after she passes, of course. But um, you know, because she being a teenager sees it from her perspective. She had kind of an adversarial yeah. or not adversarial, just mm-hmm. uh, awkward relationship yeah. with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was definitely one of the more challenging relationships to write in the book because I actually really like Peter Lawndale, her dad. Yeah. Um I I do. I I he's a fun character to write because he's unpleasant. And mm-hmm. but I didn't want his unpleasantness to be from a place of, you know, he's just a monster. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it, it felt like a little bit of a tightrope walk because mm-hmm. there's, he's definitely got problems like, and yeah. he's not, I'm not in any way excusing his behavior, but it's mm-hmm. like you said, it's coming from this b- very broken place, you know, very heartbroken and, and not knowing how to be a dad basically. And mm-hmm. um, just feeling you know, and, and, and we actually get into this more in the second book a little bit. Good, is, good. I'm glad because he, um, he, he deserves redemption. Yeah. And, and that's definitely something that is, is going to be kind of an ongoing uh, story arc throughout. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, in the other side of the serenity, you get just the first glimpse of what's going on and, and you don't really get to see how he got there until the second book. Um, right. Right. And so, yeah, I'm really looking forward to, to getting into that even more. I, I really think you wrote it very, very well. And I'm not just saying this. It, I really got the, even though you don't really see it until the very last chapter when he's, you know, at the concert, or well at the last show in the Sparrow. Um, I, I at least got the conflict in him. Yeah. It broke through the veneer. Yeah. It was like, the, it was like the, Iron Man veneer. These kids right. were kind of, you know, they, they knew he had suffered this loss, but he was a difficult man to communicate with. And yet he yeah. started to, that veneer mm-hmm. started to break down and he showed mm-hmm. some humans, you know, his human sides. Right. Um, that gave so his I think, yeah, some depth, you, yeah, all of the characters are very nicely fleshed out um, and have like you can feel they have a story. That's awesome. There's Thank there you. really there really isn't a character in the book that I don't want to know more about, which is oh. like really yeah. yeah like really blushing. Like Thank you very much. <laughs> um, it's it's really uh, 
this this has this book has been a long time coming. I actually mm-hmm. wrote Other Side uh the Serenity when I was 15. The very yeah. first draft when I was 15, mm-hmm. I wrote it by hand and this was before computers. Right. And um well, okay, there were computers, but we had like No, I get what you're saying. Crappy notes <laughs> program. We didn't even have Word, Microsoft Word, so writing yeah. a story on the computer just, you know, it wasn't yeah. something that I did. What, what was the I preferred to write by hand when we were 15? Commodore 64. Yeah. So, <laughs> we're a little older than you. We 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 get yeah. <laughs> you got it. Yeah. I'm I'm an yeah. I'm what they call an elder millennial apparently and so mm-hmm. you know i i have that those that before the internet um existence but yeah. yeah i used to write all of my books by hand and i wrote other side the serenity i thought you know at the time i was very much into reincarnation and mm-hmm. i thought hey how cool would it be to write a story about this and create this whole world and of course as the years went on and my writing abilities got better I fleshed it out more and and made it more complicated and more rich worked on the characters a lot because they were very I would say very one-dimensional in the first draft and so that yeah so I would work on it put it aside for a while and then come back Mm -hmm. to it um and yeah and then one day I was like this this is the book I want to publish someday so I'm going to really focus my time and energy on it Mm-hmm. But it's great that you uh, focused on something um, that was close to you. Like I tried to write a book when I was in high school, but it was about Germany and World War II. <laughs> and it's like, I'm not, you know, yeah. here I'm, you know, yeah. growing up in a small yeah. Midwest town. 1980s Gen X are writing about World War II. So all my characters were like <laughs> yeah. amalgamations of people, actors I had seen in like the boys from Brazil or something or <laughs> Yeah. Or, uh, you know, some war movie. It was just ridiculous. That, that and also, I read the book after we got married. And um, one of the things that I noticed, and, and I, I said this, I said, honey, um, did you use a thesaurus while you were writing this? And he goes, well, yeah, of course. Yeah. So. It showed. Because there were words in there. And, and I am, a, I've been a prolific reader since the age of four. And there were words in there that I had to look up. Right. <laughs> So to have something that's more personal like that, right? You said you started this yeah. when you were fifteen, mm-hmm. and yeah. have, have, have mm-hmm. gone back and revised it and added dimensions mm-hmm. to the characters and things like that. That the experience of maturity gives you. Yeah, I can see why you know what you have now is is, is a little gem. You know. Yeah. So. Now and 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 for me, as you publish this book, are you sitting there still looking at it, going, "I could have done this." I could have done this. Probably. Are you like a obsessive um, rewriter? Cause I, I have like created written work and it's, it's probably never going to get published because I'm going to rewrite it again and again. Um, <laughs> yeah, I actually am. I'm, I'm a bit, uh, I'm yeah. a bit of a, a perfectionist in my writing mm-hmm. and I will go back and, and I will write again and again and again. And I just, I got to a point, I think it was probably around, oh, I want to say it was the beginning of 2020, like around January, 2020, I was still revising it. I was still going through it, but I was so tired of it because I had been working on it over and over. And I knew the story backwards and forwards. And I was like, you know what, if I don't, if I don't let this go and just let it be what it's going to be. I will never stop working on it. And that's not what I want. I, I always wanted to be published. And so I just, it was kind of like reaching the acceptance phase, I guess, in a way. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I, I did, I gave it to uh, my husband actually helped me proofread it. And so I gave other side, the serenity to him and, and then I just kind of laid it down and I let it go. And I was like, okay, it's going to be what it's going to be. People are either going to love it or they're going to hate it. And I just have to be okay with that. And I'm very pleased to say that it's been really well received by everyone who has told me they've read it. So I'm, yeah, um, that's like a huge, 
that helps hugely when I, you know, to not think about, well, what could I have done differently? Right. And and just so you know, if I didn't really, really like it, I just wouldn't have said anything. (laughs) (laughs) I I kind of figured, you know, I was like, if they, if they didn't like it, they probably wouldn't have wanted to talk to me. So that was, well, we still would have, we still would have talked to you. We just might not have, um, uh been as praiseful <laughs> we'd have said it in a different way it's it's a nice it's a good book at some point you we'd know. have given you the cold shoulder nah <laughs> like, well, i do appreciate that and and you know it's okay with me that not you yeah. know it's okay with me if there are people that don't like the book you know it's just like me i have books that and we were just talking about mm-hmm. books yeah. that we just can't get into and wow. there are going to be people that that's the truth for well, let me tell you, that if if I don't like a book, there's no way in hell I am going to finish it. So, yeah. So that's the biggest. You know, you can you can pretty much uh, yeah. take it to the bank. I'm not going to get to the last page of a book if I don't really enjoy it. And so, yeah. And so I did. But what, so when he said you're not going to believe the ending, or you're, no, he said you're going to love the ending. Because um, I, I don't like the the typical sappy Hollywood ending. Yeah. Sometimes I want that ending, but at the yeah. same time, I'm a little like, eh, mm-hmm. you know, too much happy. Yeah, I'm the same way. Um, especially when it comes to like, mm-hmm. like sequels and trilogies and things. Right. Like, I think the ending of a book is so important. And yes. um, I actually really like writing my endings on an action of some kind mm-hmm. instead of like, and they lived happily ever after. <laughs> Yeah, right. they didn't. <laughs> well, I think when you yeah, sit in this story, you're, you're like, how are they going to get out of this? Mm-hmm. How are they going to resolve this? You know, how, you know, they, they, they've created a problem for themselves. Now I'm really, the truth of the story is going to be how it's resolved. And that's always mm-hmm. in the back of your mind is something. And if it's disappointing, that can, that can really sabotage a lot of the great things that led up to, to the end. Yeah. I love the music. I love the pop yeah. culture yeah. references and it's peppered throughout the fact that this band is a group of young kids that mm-hmm. love the music that I grew up loving, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Talk about black. Yeah, sex. That was, was interesting when writing the book, because um, I mean, I think it's probably a little obvious that some of the references are ones of, of things that I loved and is probably mm-hmm. indicative of my age, but there are a lot of young people today who still love these bands. And there's a reason for that. And, um, yeah. So when we were writing, when I was writing the book, I did think about that. I was like, you know, is this going to ring true for a teenager today? Mm-hmm. And I think that it does. I think there are still a lot of teenagers out there that love punk rock music and older classic music and things like that. So yeah, yeah but they're really it was a lot of fun writing that. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and have... I wanted. Mm-hmm. Oh, go ahead. I wanted provide some references because I wanted I wanted to use the references to give kind of an idea of what their band might sound like yeah um and so you know rather than having I I kind of wanted to leave the sound of their band's music a little up to interpretation and what the reader might mm-hmm. hear in their head that their songs right. might sound like but mm-hmm. um but I also felt I needed to give a little bit of a road map to what I was hearing and uh, so I, that's why I referenced these kinds of bands. Mm-hmm. So it was pretty now, it was um, fun. <laughs> I, I know there's a mystery author who, um, while she's writing, there, it's an author that I enjoy. And I can't remember her name right now, unfortunately. But um, what she does is she refers to songs as she is writing. The songs that are that are playing as she's writing and um, she'll put a list of those songs so that you can read the book with those songs playing. So I find that interesting, but then also there's um, something called the Archies and the Archies in the comics had a band and there's a band called the Archies based on the Archies comics band. So would that be like a, not necessarily a goal, but once your books become well-loved and, you know, after the movies come out, um, if there's a band, <laughs> which, would that be cool with you? Uh, yeah, I would be okay with that. Um, I yeah. mean, I, I, I have a hard time picturing um, my life moving in that direction, honestly. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. 
<laughs> I've always thought, like fantasized yeah. that if my book ever became yeah. a movie, I would want I would want the band to be a real band. Like I, I would yeah. want people who could actually play instruments and exactly. um and you know, if it spawns other bands, that is mm-hmm. that is totally cool with me. <laughs> yeah. So if you turn on the radio mm-hmm. and you hear white clover, you'll know. Yeah, that it was inspired by other side. Yeah, that one. And of course, you know, you've really hit the pan when Weird Al does a uh, parody of one of White Clover's songs. (laughs) Oh, yes, yes. It's funny you bring that up because I was actually just having this conversation with my husband the other day that you haven't actually made it in the industry unless Weird Al has parodied one of your songs. And um, because we were talking about, um, Mm -hmm. what were we talking about? It was um Amish paradise yes yes I mean genius he is a genius he really is Lisa's obsessed well I'm not obsessed but I was a fan well before I found out we share a birthday October 23rd that is so cool I know right I've got him I've got Dwight Yoakam Ryan Reynolds oh nice I like Ryan Reynolds he's cute yeah um you and know, John I should Carlin. look up and see who shares my birthday because mm-hmm. now I'm curious um, yeah. if it's anybody that I I have seen in a movie. I'm sure there's someone. Or have admired. Or yeah. have admired. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Mm-hmm. Well, on, on the topic of music, I just wanted to stay on that a little bit because reincarnation is a big part of the story. Yes. For the other side. Mm-hmm. And when I when I was reading some of uh, Alanis's thoughts or, or, or some of the... Uh, you know, when her friend Zoe becomes mm-hmm. reincarnated again and a sense mm-hmm. of sadness and loss was kind of a reversal of the way that we look at it from the mortal side. You know, mm-hmm. it's almost as if she, her friend Zoe had now passed on to another. So mm-hmm. it reminded me, there's a, there's a documentary out right now, Tom Petty making of wildflowers. I don't know if you've seen that or not. I heard about it. I want to see it. Yeah, it, it was good. We watched it. It was really good. But there's a song on that uh, album called "Crawling Back to You." Crawling back to you. And then one of the lines is, "Most of the things I worry about don't matter anyway." Most things I worry about never happen anyway. I keep. Crawling back to you I keep crawling back to you And I think that's kind of captured what, you know, I was thinking when I was reading that. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, you know, we fear uh, fear what the afterlife might bring. But then you think about it, it's just a continuation of life. And you you can be consumed by the same fears and concerns you know, in the afterlife yeah. for, for going back. So uh, I don't, it's comforting. It was comforting to look at it from that perspective that, you know, you really shouldn't have a fear of uh, yeah. death really. Most, most of the time mm-hmm. it's not going to matter anyway. <laughs> well, yeah. and, and you can't, you have no control. So, I mean, for me, spending vast amounts of time worrying about something you can't control is like uh I don't know, trying to blow sugar into the wind. Right. Yeah. As we found out, Alanis, just because she had passed on, did Mm -hmm. not mean she was not troubled by... Someone else passing on just in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. And and one of the other fun things about Mm -hmm. uh, the aspects of this book is that there's... See, and I totally just lost my train of thought. Um, in there, done that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it it was, you know, I wanted this feeling of impermanence. Mm-hmm. You know, she exactly she has it in her head that the inner circle is, there's something permanent there. And, mm-hmm. and just how do we deal with that, that mm-hmm. feeling? And um, so in this, in this book, in other side um Mm -hmm. she is kind of coming to grips with still wanting to be a part of the human realm but being a part of this new one and one of the things that archie her guardian says to her is that as as time progresses in the human realm and and here you won't feel that way forever and so as i've started writing the second book 
that's something that comes into play. Her feelings about her friends have changed and, and it starts to shift a little. And, and so it was, it was nice to take this book to kind of explore that idea of leaving things behind. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. (laughs) It does perfectly. And it, and it's well done. Um, And, and, you know, I mean, one of the things that he's saying is reincarnation is like, um, uh, it makes us feel like there's something more mm-hmm. and not just the idea of going to heaven. And, you know, I, I don't know, that's never been something that particularly made me like, it's not that it would make me unhappy, but you know, yeah. it's just kind of something that didn't ever really fit with my psyche, if you will. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Let me go ahead and take okay. a break for our sponsor right here. Okay. So I think we should talk a little mm-hmm. bit about, the relationship between Josh and Alanis. Josh was Alanis's um, mortal boyfriend. Yes. Mm-hmm. And also Brian. Yes. Yeah. Another um, very complicated relationship to write. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But I think that kind of is a, it, that kind of is the glue for the story. As, as you move on into the story, those three characters are re- integral to the. You know, how, how everything. They are out. the story in a sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone else is revolving around that story. Yeah. And and yeah. at least in the first book. So what so what that happens? story is paramount. What do, what happens? With, well, do we want to do a spoiler alert on that? No, that's a that good That is the book. That is the book. In part. Right. But it, it's a you know, interesting dilemma that uh-huh. Josh. How is, can we discuss the, the problem that Josh is without, given because of yeah. what happened? Uh-huh. Um, yeah. drives him to the brink of doing something irrational. Yes. And something that could. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would affect everything. Yeah. 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 So I think something irrational is probably a really great way of putting it without, without um, mm-hmm. spoiling it. So I, I'd right. say let's go with that. Yeah, <laughs> okay. okay. And, and Alanis is concerned in, in her spiritual realm, in the inner circle, she is very much concerned with how that's going to resolve and how, you know, because she cares about what Josh he's going to do and mm-hmm. what he's going to do. So that that provides her the uh, conundrum, moral dilemma. Impetus. Yeah, the, the that drives mm-hmm. the story. Yes, right? drives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At least for that part. And that's, um, you know, and, and, and in a sense, it's like, it's a sense of anger. It's a sense of grief that pushes this action forward. Um so do you feel that the action is more towards himself or more towards Brian? I think it's more towards himself. And I think he uses Brian. I mean, obviously he's upset mm-hmm. with him, but yes. deep down the core of the issue is that he feels he didn't do enough. Mm-hmm. Right. And he feels guilty and he, he's very anguished by that. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I think he, at first is, is placing his anger all on Brian. And as the story progresses, it starts to turn more inwards. And that's how we end up with the conflict of the book. And, and Alanis has to figure out how to correct that. Right. um, And, and intervene before it's too late. So um, yeah, there, there was just, I, and that was another relationship that, that in the original draft was so one-dimensional, like, Brian mm. was just a villain, you know, there was no layer yeah. to it. And as I grew as a writer, uh, I wanted to put those layers into other side, the serenity. And, and I wanted to, I wanted Brian, I didn't want him to be someone that you completely hate. I right. wanted him to be this kid who had, who, you know, made a horrible mistake and mm-hmm. feels genuine remorse about it. And mm-hmm. everyone around, you know, most of the people around him either don't know what to think or, you know, be that kind of kid where your whole future is in front of you and you made this terrible mistake you feel terrible about. Right. And that also kind of, I think, feeds into the the whole, you know, one of the themes of the book, which is redemption. You know, right. um, everyone in this book in one way or another is kind of looking for redemption in their own way. Mm-hmm. And um, and so that's that's what I think Brian kind of brings to it. And mm-hmm. And and Alanis and Josh, you know. I wonder how much of what um, Josh is feeling is feel is like peer pressure almost, like 
he doesn't really know mm-hmm. how to react to, to this, and, but he feels like he's supposed to, you know, mm-hmm. you know, you know what I'm saying? Do you think that's a factor? Yeah, yeah probably. Uh, one of Josh's driving characteristics, as you come to find out in the book, is that lack of action on his part has created um, bad things. You know, bad things have happened because he didn't do something. And he's so he's a protector. Yeah. And so the he has responder it in his heart. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he has it in his head that he should have done more. And mm-hmm. I think that that also is very, probably very common among any 16 year old boy. Mm-hmm. You know, they feel like they have to take action. They have to be a protector, especially if it's a girlfriend that they really love. And right. when they don't live up to that, it's like they think there's something wrong with them or or they did something mm-hmm. wrong. And yeah. um, which, you know, of course, I, I don't think is true at all. But no. when you're that age, that's mm-hmm. where your head and your heart is. And and so that, you know, kind of. I think also drives that heartbreak for him. And um, in a lot of ways, Josh reminds me of my dad because he was always a protector. And uh, I mean, you know, he would walk up to someone on the street and offer his coat, even though it was a cold day. I mean, he was just that kind of person always period across the board. Um, He was also grumpy. So in some ways he reminds me of her father, (laughs) kind of stoic and grumpy and, you know, (laughs) <laughs> not not quite as far as her father went um but he was somewhat emotionally um distant i mean i know he felt things and he felt them strongly but he couldn't communicate that very well so he communicated that by doing things for you like for instance um he would come to my house and clean out my closets for me or buy us a dryer yeah he, he bought us a dryer, dryer. <laughs> Yeah, and and I think also the parents of this book, even though many mm-hmm. of them are kind of background characters, and yeah, I, um, I, you I do kind this, of yeah. the background character thing. I kind of saw them as like um, almost um, uh, Charles Schultzian, kind okay. of wah, 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 wah. like like Alaska's parents particularly mm-hmm. kind of made me feel that way. Yeah. And, and some of that was just, you know, focusing on, okay, which relationships in this book are the most important that I need to focus Mm -hmm. on. Um, And then some of them we'll see more of in the Mm -hmm. next book and, and so on. But, um, but yeah, I, I wanted to create this very specific kind of culture in the town where the parents are mostly absent in a lot of ways. They're, they're very busy just trying to make a life and, working very hard. It's a very sort of blue collar town. Um, they're, they're fishermen and fisherwomen. And right. it's, it's so, Maine. yeah, yeah. Uh, Massachusetts, but, oh, Ma- but well, yeah. I mean, New England, but yeah, it's got that. It does oh, have a okay. very yeah. New England feel <laughs> well, very much so. But I think it me. also, you know, there, I made the allusion to Friday night lights. I think that's the way that's what kind of what I was sensing in that, because I don't know if you've ever seen Friday night lights. I know it's Texas. This is Massachusetts, but the parents yeah. in that show were sort of linear, secondary linear yeah. characters. They, they had like extreme views on things like that. And really the conflict and all the stories evolved on that level of the, you know, the younger people. Right. The right. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the way this. Well, and how they interacted with the coach and, yeah, <laughs> but it was all, it was almost all about the football, at least for the first couple of seasons. Yeah. Well, yeah. There's a really good series if you haven't seen it. Yeah. it's one yeah it's one of those series that i've heard so many good things about but i've never mm-hmm. really sat down to watch i'm i'm familiar with the story but it's mm-hmm. kind of neat to hear that that in that show there's a similar dynamic um so i will definitely have to check yeah. it out at some point and i i think that makes sense because there's there's books like i did <clears throat> I had trouble reading Game of Thrones because I had a little bit of trouble keeping up with all the characters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, there were so many. And um, yeah, so it took and- me a while to really get through those books. I'd read some of it and put it aside. And, and I was the same way with, uh, I'll tell you this much, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, oh, darn it. Um, 
Well, with fantasy and sci-fi, don't foundation, you have to- the foundation trilogy. It, this is what I say. It took me three years to read the first three chapters and three weeks to read the rest of the trilogy. <laughs> well, isn't it with sci-fi and fantasy? You have to not only learn characters, there's a whole different language, a whole different uh, society. and Right, maybe, a dynamic. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think I just wasn't so really re-learn. ready at first. You got to relearn that stuff every time you open a, a new book. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. each time you open a book like that, it opens up pathways in your brain so that it's easier to open up the next book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. No, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, and that and that was definitely a concern of mine was, you know, mm-hmm. do I have too many characters for people to keep track of? How do I make them all unique in their own way, their own mm-hmm. voice? Um, especially when we start getting into the other world, the other realms right. and the different guardians that are there. And especially oh. with, like I said, with the guardians, because, mm-hmm. well, well, I guess with both, because one of, when it comes to Alanis's previous life, I only have about what is I think it's like 40 or 40 the first 40 pages or so to establish what her relationship with her friends is like and the bond that's between them before I separate from them and then there's these new characters in the new realm that you know appear periodically throughout and so I wanted to make sure that their personalities were very clear and their their dynamic was very clear pre- in the short scenes that you see them and so I hope I accomplished that um but yeah it was it was a challenge writing well writing this many characters right mm-hmm. let's talk about like archie sure her guardian archie who uh it seemed like she or he demonstrated her to her a certain sense of commitment and you know as, as her guardian that was dispassionate but he was all in to the point where he he would give up he would sacrifice himself to ensure her uh a safety against the creams um, mm-hmm. um and trinity and i thought i wondered about this trinity sort of uh a vision to lannis of what her future may be in her own role you know um, based on that maybe a little bit i i didn't think of it that that way when i was writing it but trinity is a pretty dynamic personality in the new uh, in this new realm in the inner circle and so I can kind of see where you know Alanis might look up to her a little bit and kind of want to emulate her in a way or get to a point where she emulates her well and, and Alanis is a natural caretaker yeah uh, and first responder so she's a combination of those two it seems like Trinity is more of a caretaker and not as much a first responder yeah and so- some of that is probably Due mm-hmm. to experience, you know, Trinity right. has been a guardian for ages, and this is mm-hmm. not her first rodeo. This is Alanis's first rodeo, and it's a pretty right. rough one. And in <laughs> um, so Trinity has a little bit more wisdom, I think, when it yeah. comes to the workings of the of the other side and the yeah. inner circle and all the realms within it. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, yeah, you kind of see that dynamic playing out and Trinity kind of trying to impart some of that wisdom on Alanis as Alanis begins to discover her power and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's it was just, a, you know, I, I, I we have Amazon Prime, so we were able mm-hmm. to access that way. And, I, mm-hmm. you know, I just really, really enjoyed mm-hmm. I, I don't want to say I didn't expect to enjoy it, but it's really not my. You know, we're not something I would gravitate to if you were not going to be a guest on our show. But, uh, you know, once Mm -hmm. it started down the path, it just led me. It kept him going. It was captivating. Yeah. I'm so glad. Now, um, if this were to go to movie, do you see it as more live action or even possibly Pixar anime? Oh, no, it would definitely have to be live action, I think. Yeah. Okay. Um, Yeah. And I mean... I I just I I picture it in my head. I would want mm-hmm. I I have very specific wants. So I think, mm-hmm. and I actually I have a film and theater background. I have okay. Um, so I I would probably want to be part of the process if it came to that because yeah. I would want to have and say and what they're doing with with what is essentially my baby. Yeah. 
Yeah, you wouldn't want to, like, for instance, I truly enjoyed um, Suki Stackhouse novels, and I enjoyed True Blood, but after the first, like, half of the first season, True Blood and Suki Stackhouse went very different directions. Okay. Very different. Yeah, Um, I watched the first season of True Blood, and I really enjoyed it, but I had a really difficult time getting through the second one. And by the end, I was, I was, okay. That's yeah. good to know. They're they're very different. They're basically murder mysteries with vampires. Okay. In a sense. And it's and with Suki Stackhouse as like the center of it. So the yeah, the the movies went way, way HBO. Okay. And the That's good to know. novels are they don't go yeah. I think not, I, I think I'm yeah. in the same boat with you on True Blood. The first mm-hmm. season was interesting because you know, you're drinking this bottles of blood like it was beer, you know, and then you know, <laughs> setting up the story and stuff like I always liked the origin <laughs> stories, all that stuff is really you know, is this weird and cool. But then yeah. once once the setup is done and they start getting into all Mind the you, uh, the nudity kept him going until the third season, I think. <laughs> 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 that's, that's but after little, that, you know, was a little randy. Yeah, yeah. He's, he still gets a little bit excited when uh, um, uh, what's the actress that played Silky when she's in a new movie because she thinks maybe she's going to be, you know, all sexy again. Hmm. Well, it wouldn't be HBO without a little nudity, would it? He does kind of prefer the more conflicted characters, the darker ladies. No, I just think that should, after the first year or two, I agree with you. It wasn't as yeah, yeah. My main my main issue with the second season was that I felt like the um defeating the villain was just dragging out like yeah. for me it just it felt like it was mm-hmm. taking forever for them to do anything about the problem and then when they would finally do something about the problem it wouldn't work and then they'd stand around for another like forever I don't remember how long it was but Yeah yeah and so I just I, I felt like okay I'm I'm having to work too hard to watch it's this boring <laughs> yeah it was boring yeah I, I I'm very much I'm What's very next? much we got to keep the pace here you know it yeah. doesn't have to necessarily be fast paced but mm-hmm. I like forward motion and I yeah. I don't like it when characters stand still for too long and I feel like that was my problem with the second season of True Blood yeah. um. So I'm sure there are True Blood fans out there who would disagree with me, but that's just my personal opinion. And we, and we all have them. <laughs> <laughs> we have our right to our opinion. All yes, right, HJ, I really don't have any more questions for you. What about you? Um, uh, well, a question that I ask everyone, is there anything that we didn't ask you that you wish we would or, you know, that you would have expected? Uh, no, I, I actually really like the questions that were asked. Um, I got to talk a lot about the characters and I'm a very Mm -hmm. character driven writer. And, Mm -hmm. uh, like I said, with other side, the serenity, I wanted to make sure that these were people that you could see either see yourselves in or identify with in some way. And Mm -hmm. I, I wanted to create a story that had a lot of heart. So, um, it, it sounds like you guys agree. And so I'm, I'm very pleased and happy that, that you enjoyed it. And I really appreciate the review that you gave me. That was, that, that made my day. So it was what I learned. It's our pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so any, um, anything you want to plug, uh, your websites, uh, socials, uh... uh, definitely. Yeah. I'm on Instagram and Facebook as HJ Vanderreet. Um, that's, a fun spelling name. So I'll just go ahead and spell it for people. It's V A N D E R I E T. And uh, I also do have a website that I occasionally blog at when I have time and it's the same name. And yeah, the only other, th- uh, actually, you know what? I did think of something. Um, I will be writing a sequel to mm-hmm. other side, the serenity. I'm currently working on it. Um, and it's called other side, the betrayal. So Keep an eye out for that, and I will be posting to my social media when I have more to share on it. All right. Let us know whenever you want to talk about something. This has been really fun. Real quick, say your um, website also, again because so, it, I think it might have. Oh. Say your website one more time, HJ. Uh, my website is hjvanderreet.com. 
Okay. Yeah, uh, it's storming outside, and I think it might have been, it might be messing with our antenna. Based on our research, you also do poetry. Have you ever considered putting out a book of poems? Um, I do have a SoundCloud. Okay. um, And and again, it's H.J. Vandereet. I haven't posted anything there in a while, Mm -hmm. to be honest. Uh, It's been a while since I've written poetry, but I was in... I got my master's degree in writing. And so mm-hmm. I did get wow. a lot of poetry written during that time. And so most of it's from a few years ago, but if you're interested, feel free to check it out. Okay. Right. Great. Well, you have a <laughs> fantastic afternoon mm-hmm. and, and enjoy uh, those munchkins. We'll talk after your next one. Oh, what are your cat's names? Oh, uh, my cat's names are Zoe and Teaser. Yeah. We have uh, Solomon. Oh, cool. Occasionally, he decides to join the broadcast by jumping up on the table. He did not do that this time. You know what? We considered Rumple Teaser yeah. when we named Solomon. Oh, we did not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, we rescued him as a Solomon, so Aww. he was five years old. Um, Rumple Teaser was, I got her from um, PetSmart, and someone had named her Candy Corn, and she's a black cat. Yeah, and I just honestly didn't care for that name. <laughs> I think they were going for it's Halloween, and it's yeah, Halloween, so we're gonna name her Candy Corn. And I was like, no, I I think we're gonna re- rename her Rumple Teaser, <laughs> which is a great Halloween name too. Well, not Thank to you. mention Candy Corn is yeah. probably the most reviled uh, Halloween candy there is. No, no, that's those weird peanut butter things. Oh. Okay. <laughs> at least where, where do you weigh in candy corn or weird peanut butter things um i'm trying to think of which peanut butter things you're thinking of they got like the the brown and black wrappers or like the orange and black oh, wrapper yeah with the- yeah i think anything that's not a Reese's. uh-huh I'm, I'm with- i i i get into a peanut butter chocolate something uh in my kids candy box it was not uh, for Halloween and it was disgusting. So I think if it's not yeah. Reese's, I think I'd have to go with, with that. I think I would dislike yeah. that more than candy corn. Got ya. Uh, <laughs> it's been fun. Hey, nice. thank you very much and good day. Thank you. You too. Right, bye-bye. Bye. Hey listeners, it's Lisa. And Phil. From Yeah Uh Huh. How are we doing? We love feedback. Please use our socials to let us know what you think. We have socials. Twitter. Yeah. Uh-huh. Pod. Instagram. Yeah. Uh-huh. Pod. Facebook. Yeah. Uh-huh. Pod. Notice, Notice a, a pattern. pattern. Website. www.yeah-uh-huh.com. So let us know. Hit us back. Have a great week.